Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Finding Home podcast, where, as you know, I say, home is more than just the sticks and the bricks that you live in. Our ongoing conversation about Utah people and Utah things and what have you. Well, actually, I kind of want to get into that. I mean, this is always going to be a Utah-centric podcast, right? Like, that's kind of the whole point. I like living here. I like talking about things here. Well, I'm still going to talk about Utah things and keep the focus here local. I have had some feedback and have have talked to some of my friends who have left the state, uh, in particular, Hi Kate, and I'm actually thinking of having some of them on to talk not only about their Utah story in terms of how they ended up here, but why they left. I mean, what causes somebody to to leave, like especially people who leave very purposefully, people who are not interested in staying here in Utah. Because again, as much as I love it, I can understand why somebody would want to go. So that's some content that's probably coming up. I also might have some opportunities to interview some people who work on a more national level and I am not going to pass up an opportunity to bring something great to you fine people who listen to this show. So we're going to move along to continuing the interview with Nate and Levi and Jason of Love True. I was really happy with how this interview turned out. I had to move some of the pacing around. There was a, some really great sections that I just wanted to have happen earlier and stuff. So there might be a couple of rough edits. Here we go with the rest of the interview with the dudes from Love True. Something that I that I noticed in terms of how your stories all correlate one with another is this idea of that you you were living your life and you were moving through life and, it, and at some point you discovered what I would call an incongruency mm-hmm. where you were kind of at odds with yourself um, and it seems like just as you guys started figuring that out about yourselves that's when you began to connect with each other to kind of put this together is, is that the case Oh I definitely think so. I d- yeah. definitely think there wasn't a coincidence to any of it that uh, along the way this had some sort of guidance to go, okay, Levi's going through this, Jason's going through this, you're going through this. And by showing each other that example, you then have that true choice to either do what you were programmed to do before and run and go back to old habits or go, wow, there's something here because I can see it in other people. Mm-hmm. I especially know that for me seeing these guys go through such big change allowed me to be like, I'm not alone in this. Literally, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's not me being crazy talking to G. I can see him working through them, whether they see it or not. Yeah. Well, so this whole idea for me, that for me, a very important thing is we, we go through these things, these vulnerable moments, these kind of harrowing times in our lives and, and everybody else's harrowing time always sounds way worse than yours does to you. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking upstairs and I was talking to you about my, my parents and my brother and, and going through that and, and how I still prefer that to some things other like friends of mine have, have been through, but that essentially all of us connect human being wise. We all connect on this level of understanding uh, vulnerable moments and difficult moments. You see, even when you're looking at social media as shallow as it can get, the things that really capture people's interests are those moments when people really open themselves up. Mm-hmm. I think of, you know, when you think of vulnerability, of course, you think of Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. You think of that TED Talk and just how wide that went when she gave that first one. At, it was at a TEDx Houston. It wasn't even supposed to like go as wide as it did. It was a local event, but because it, it resonated. And these stories, I see how your stories connect. And, the, and, I, and I, of course, I look at my situation. I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, 
that I just went through what I went through yeah. and didn't have to pass through somebody else's personal hell. Yeah. But we yeah. all have these things that we go through. And as we explain our stories to other people, there's both that I, I get it and also kind of that gratitude of, I'm glad that's not me. You know, and I, I want to, I really want to make a joke about, it. I'm glad I didn't have to go through a purple shorts phase. <laughs> um, I second that. <laughs> but Fair enough. Um, but with that, you know, the, the idea of this journey and these, these experiences that connect us. And as, as we move forward through this, I know we had it very kind of regimented last time where it was, you know, somebody telling their story, somebody else telling their story. I want this whole part to be a little more dynamic. And so if you end up interrupting each other, it's cool. What I really want is for you guys to talk as naturally as you do when you guys get together to discuss to discuss Love True and the movement and the future and what you guys want to do. But I do kind of want to start with with how it all began. And, and Nate, you went a little bit into your uh, journey and your situation that brought you from, from rock bottom, as you called it, to this place of self-acceptance and love and truth. Can you, and you, you've mentioned a couple of times a, a process. Tell us more about that. Tell us more about your coming to the the moment of truth with yourself and where this this whole movement essentially started and stems from okay i love this idea and i've said this in so many ways and really i have to just let go and go there you were talking about vulnerability and really a lot of it was looking at that my the truth in my life because i'd created so much destruction up to when i was about 35 i'm 38 now and being able to look back at that and just truly admit to myself that my way of doing things w- wasn't working. And s- through that process of then having G facilitate and have me in the exact space I needed to be to hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, I was abusing substance, very big into fantasy, big into porn, all these things, chasing these things to be happy. Uh, what I would call distraction, something to just always keep me busy so that I didn't look at who I truly was or where I ended up in life and what I'd done to get there. All the good, bad, and indifferent along the way. So naturally, I wanted to run from that. But because I hit my lowest, I knew that what I was doing didn't work. The truth is, I got to the point in my life where I was ready. I didn't know that then, and I didn't want to be ready. I wanted to keep playing that same tape over and over again of, I got this. If I make more money, I'll figure it out. If I find a different woman, I'll be happy. And so through this process, I saw it was meant to be along the way. And where I think I left off before was asking G for help, which I didn't even define as G then. Being in a flip house, that's what I did was flip homes. And all alone, no kids, it was really completely set up for me to feel completely isolated from the whole world. And once I did that, once I asked for help and I let it out and I cried and I admitted, okay, whatever you are, whatever created me, let's do this thing. I was set up enough because I just flipped a home, I got divorced and we split the money that I had enough money to take off about a year. And so I decided I'm just going to chase this wherever it goes. And that's what I started to do. I started to connect every morning. I was praying a lot, going through this process of really finding out who I was. It wasn't pretty. It was really hard, but I learned that that was the only way I'd be motivated to do it. See, I looked back and went, wow, I really had things set up. I was the favorite grandson. I was the good athlete. I was the funny guy. I seemed to like fit in. And from the outside looking in, everybody was really surprised that I was depressed and I was unhappy. You know, I had the business and the wife and all. I mean, I remember getting a divorce and everyone being like, 
we used you guys as an example of happiness. That's how good I was at faking it. And so I see that this process for me was necessary to then finally understand I had to try on society's programming that I had looked at my whole life to that level before I was willing to do something different. And once I did, my whole life started to change where I worked, who I hung out with naturally. And I wasn't trying to do any of it. I was just waking up and saying, what's next? And I've been doing that ever since. And a lot of the big things I saw was seeing uh, fear in a whole new way, seeing discomfort in a whole new way. Discomfort was the thing I needed to run to because my whole life I tried to avoid it, step around it, crawl over it, what have you. I was trying to avoid it and find an easier, softer way to live life. But that gave me one result. But I thought that was the only result or only option until I let G in. And I call him G because it's a personal thing. I can... It doesn't have to have the big stigma of God or religion around it. For me, it's been a very personal thing. And as I did it, amazing stories started to happen that really started to create this. Very early on through the divorce and she'd gone and been with somebody else, we came back together because that was my natural default. And G kept telling me in different circumstances, harsh things would happen. And I'd be like, why? And he'd he'd tell me, because you're not supposed to go back. But it took three of these events to do that. And one of the last events that happened was I was back with my wife in the house and my son came in my room. He never in his whole life, you know, he's five then he never came into our room and said, Hey, come lay down with me in my bed. He would just climb into our bed and he came into the room and he said, dad, come lay in my bed. And I thought that's odd. So I go in there and I'm like, why do you want me to lay in your bed? And he's totally out of it. And he's like, Oh, my bed's hot. And so I fill the bed to see if it's like, oh, I'll put him in the cold spot and I'll lay in the hot spot. The bed's totally cool. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm picking up. I've been dealing with G a little bit and going, okay, there's something weird going on. So I just throw him into bed. I lay next to him and he falls asleep right away, which is weird. Normally he's kicking and bugging me. and Mm, He's five. Right, he's five and he's driving me crazy. But he's looking straight up at the ceiling. Well, suddenly I'm looking up at the ceiling. And I can't move. And I'm like, this is odd because my brain's going, okay, he's asleep. Go lay down. Go back in bed and you're done. And I can't move. So I realize something's going on here. And uh, I just sit there and I'm patient. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And I literally can't turn and see him, but I can see his lips. Right? I can see his face like out of my peripheral vision. And he says, in a monotone voice, he says, let go, start over begin anew. Like those three phrases. I remember kind of freaking out. I knew I wasn't consciously in control because I couldn't move. And I remember just going, remember those, remember those. And they're actually the sayings that we put on my first business cards. Remember Mm -hmm. Levi? I do. And I remember going, okay, remember that, remember that. And then I soaked it in and literally I got up without my will, like not even knowing and had this peaceful walk. I remember just walking back and being like, Oh, this is how it is to like have somebody push you in a wheelchair. That's like these odd thoughts were going through my head. And then I laid down, but I see that that was the sort of thing that I started to open up to, um, was the truth that something greater than myself was trying to guide me and the love in it going, it's for my greatest good. So I, I started to embrace that rather than embracing the fear or the doubt around it go what was that that was weird you know make some excuse for it so i didn't 
open up to it. And that's really what started to open up my space in my, in my mind to accept more things as they came about. And really, G would use simple stuff that I went, oh, okay, no matter how hard I tried, my conscious was like, that happened, even though my subconscious was not on board yet. And so how did, as, as you're going through all of this, you come to this point of being more open, of being uh, led, so to speak. It sounds like like mm. that that space of acceptance. Of, oh, definitely. I'm just gonna. If you ever go to like Tony Robbins, it says life happens for me, not to me. Right. Sort of a situation is kind of what it sounds like. How did that lead to not just writing the book? I mean, because we kind of had did talk about how the book came about, but how did that lead to to wanting to take these ideas and these things that you were learning, these things that you were realizing about yourself that might have had a more universal impact? How did you go from that to wanting to create? love true, to create this, this larger movement that you guys are essentially throwing all your hearts into. Well, I feel like one big part of this is that even from the get-go, there's always been this idea of this is going to grow and become something to help people. I know that the reason that I got on board as quickly as I did was because I had been in the personal development sphere, like sphere for quite a while. Even when I was really young, I remember my mom giving me like the seven habits of highly effective teens. And, uh, and I'm old enough that that book I don't think existed when I was a teen. I would have had exactly. to read the the grown up version. Yeah, yeah. But like I read through it, and like I I loved all this stuff. And so, Which, to be fair, I can't get through Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've never been able to finish that. I've book. never been able to get through it either. And mm. It is so dry for me. But anyhow, yeah. but see, that's the thing. Like I've been in that personal development sphere for such a long time that the big challenge that I kept running into was. You know, I know all the techniques. I've tried so many different things. Why aren't I rich, famous, happy? Like all of those other things. Oh, yeah, because with, especially with self-development. So like I said, I've, yeah. I've, I've started to admit openly more so on, on, on my show here that I've, I've been like a self-development junkie for a long time. Yeah. Like, like I've gone to the dark web of self-development where you're ordering mm-hmm. PDFs that somebody wrote, you know, and you're paying money for a digital file just so you can maybe glean a sentence and a half of decent information yeah. out of it. Because most of that stuff, it's, it's the same stuff that, that's been taught over and well, over and again. Well, and see, that's, that, was what I, yeah. that was my experience, was I realized that, I mean, I worked in one of these companies, mm-hmm. and I saw all the back end of it, and the big thing that I kept coming to was there are a lot of, like, that's the term we use, is self-help junkies who they want to feel good but they don't know how, even though they're going and they're they're trying all the techniques. And the thing that struck me about Nate and that I really kind of latched onto and made me want to be part of this was the fact that there was something genuine there. And it wasn't, you know, you've got to get up and write everything down in your schedule. And it wasn't pithy sayings. It was just, you know what? You've got to actually go after the things that make you afraid. And it wasn't a... It wasn't a pithy way of saying it. Mm. It was watching him do it. And that's one of the biggest differences that we're trying to make in Love True is that it's not just about telling you inspirational quotes. Mm-hmm. It's not about having a big event where we get you really hyped up and take thousands of dollars from you so that we can put on the next put event. Put on the next big event. <laughs> yeah. Because there's always one more event. It's about actually doing it. And it's about making it real because that's, to me, that's what a lot of it comes down to. I know that one of the reasons why my mission was so impactful for me was because growing up in the religion, you know, it's, it's indoctrination. There's no two ways about it. You're taught everything from a very young age, 
But that being said, it doesn't always mean that it's real to you. And I've got stories from my mission. I've got experiences that made it real to me in a way that changed who I was. And you've got to continue to seek out and to have those experiences. It's like you said, one of the big things is that each one of us has got this point in our lives where we just, we had to look ourselves in the face and say like, who am I really? What is at the core of my person? And then learning to accept that and move forward from there rather than, you know, learning what society expects you to be mm. and then trying to figure out how to fit into that mold. With that and this idea of, and I think it's, it's going to be a buzzword, this idea of like essentially radical self-acceptance. Oh, I love that. Where you, where you can look in the mirror and say to yourself, that's the guy, right? You, you don't have to look in the mirror and be like, now who am I really? Because your, your actions and such point in that direction. Is, is that ultimately one of the larger goals of Love True is to get people to that space instead of just hyping them up or what have you? Because I mean, anybody can go get hyped up. It's that whole idea yeah. of like, you can sell a lot of stuff with very specific group presentation sales techniques, right? Anybody who's been to a seminar, a free, quote-unquote, free seminar, knows that at the end, that's where they offer you the $10,000 coaching program, right? They hype yeah. you up that whole time. They get you all whipped up and, and onboarded with their way of thinking, and then their all goal is need. to separate your, you yeah. from your, your money. These people believe what they oh, are they, selling. Oh, they do. They like, do. I'm not... Well, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the organization. Like I said, I imagine the organization you worked for, you were able to see the back end and see how much that was i've I've been to enough events where it's like sometimes you're like oh you know you don't do any of this you you're trying to teach people how they can love themselves and be rich which is essentially what everybody who's going to these seminars is after you're selling them a product but that's how you did it you know like you became rich and love yourself because you're teaching people how to do it but you can't teach that trajectory to somebody because you don't want to create your own competition so well, to speak. Yeah. Everybody's going to get rich and accept themselves because everyone's going to become a personal development trainer. Yeah. Which when, which just isn't isn't the path for oh, yeah. for, for everybody. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask Levi a question because yeah. he hasn't talked in a minute. Well let me yeah, well, so, no, yeah, let yeah. me respond to go, that, go. Keith, this awesome point that you were you're bringing up right now. Um, one of my absolute favorite actors and, and humans, uh, Jim Carrey, who is, you know, so much more than you know, a dumb and dumber laugh guy. He's a very deep and tormented soul, you know, but so enlightened through that, right? Is that the greatest currency that you can ever have in the world is the, the impact that you have on someone else and how you make them feel. For me, love true, this idea of radical self-acceptance is all about that, but that's not for sale. You can't buy that. For me, it was a process of of getting in my truck every single day and looking at this picture of myself at 14 years old and, you know, even a little baby picture of myself and, and getting in my truck to start my day and saying, Levi Joseph Ernest, I love you unconditionally and literally wrapping my arms around myself and giving uh, myself a big hug. I think that when we're born, as we age chronologically, I think we forget how to love ourselves and rather we take on the other and, and figure out and learn how to beat ourselves up. And so radical self-love, uh, acceptance, whatever that looks like for you or someone listening, uh, I'm just putting it out there. Make that your own process. Even if it's as simple as looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, man, Levi, I love you. You're awesome. Keep going. You're doing it. Cause I'm, I'll tell you the truth right now, Keith, I spent 
a lot of years not even looking at myself in the eye, hearing my own voice, whatever. I still, uh, I think maybe all of us as humans, but speaking for myself, we can fall back into that, that place of, oh, did I just say that? Or why am I, this doesn't look right. Why am I wearing this? Oh man, I, or whatever. But being able to embrace oneself, love oneself. And as you talked about Brene Brown, just, just cherishing, sharing your sacred story with those people that deserve to hear it. I got to touch base on this. So much cool stuff is coming up. See, and this is the process of love true is showing up for the hard thing. This is a hard thing and radical self-acceptance, right? When you said it was like, that's such a huge thing. And we've said it in so many different ways, Mm. but right when you said, I went, oh, and then G put all these old stories in my head relating to you two having that conversation about seminars. And it's so interesting because I was involved with three key elements because I had the time I started to volunteer. I hired Kirk Duncan to be my personal mentor, right? And this radical self-acceptance is something that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of, but G was doing with me. Like that night that I fell to my knees and started crying, I literally was headed to the bathroom to talk to myself in the mirror and be like, dude, you can get through this. It's going to be okay. Because that's the point I had got to where I felt so alone, but I was starting to accept that guy and be honest with that guy. And along the way, going to the seminar, three keys really big on declarations. So I, not to try and be a seminar guard, but was a, embracing that in a huge way. And I was like, every morning, you know, I was looking in the mirror and I'm like, I'm Nathan Anderson. I'm the greatest force for good ever. I'm a no matter what guy. God has got my back and I've got his always. Like I had this routine down and I was doing it not because I wanted to be a seminar teacher, but because it scared me because I was like, oh, this is intimidating. And the interesting thing about that was I was practicing that not to get the money or to play the story of who I wanted everyone else to see. I was doing it because it was a vehicle or a tool that came along to get me out of my comfort zone and scared me. And the interesting thing about it was I got really close to the people high up in three key. And the assistant, I ended up running another Spartan with him and another girl that was, did something with them in Tahoe after the original Spartan. And I remember sitting in the bathroom, like that was my routine. Every morning I would wake up, go in there, brush my teeth, and I would look in the mirror and do this. But we were in a hotel and they're out in the other room, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is next level, right? And I can hear him talking out there and I'm like, here we go. And I'm like, I'm Nathan Anderson. I'm the greatest force for good ever. (laughs) And I hear them stop talking. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, just keep going, right? And I go and I go out there and they're both sitting there like, they're in this weird energy. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like you're teaching you this. You taught me to do you're this. You're not even doing you're it. You're not even <laughs> like, you're awkward for me doing it, right? And I remember we ran the Spartan and I had got past that thing going, I'll do this no matter what. I'm this guy no matter mm-hmm. what. I don't have this destined agenda or idea or condition to make me be this guy. I'm this guy. I'm willing to do these things to grow. And I remember this was a grueling Spartan. It was like, it took us like eight and a half hours. It was the biggest one that we did. And I remember we were climbing this gnarly hill and all these loose rocks. And I literally grabbed both of their hands and I was like screaming my declarations going up. And I had no, like, it just came to me like, do it. Right. Because it's, it's what it took me to get up that damn hill. I was like, oh, I need something. <laughs> and I needed them to, like, we were a group, the three of us. And I remember getting to the top of the hill and they said something. And I realized in that moment, it's not about what it looks like or what you get at the end. It's about doing it and then being surprised of 
whatever it is, if it's a good or bad outcome, and really embracing that and learning along the way. Through this process of having this acceptance, I had the seminar, the main guy, Kirk Duncan, was my personal mentor, right? And I remember after the things, I would sit back and just open up and look at the truth. And you would put in me, I'm just showing you what you're not. Because I was expecting in my man brain, this story of this amazing guy, he's going to give me the next connection, or I'm going to speak with him on stage. And not in a bad way, but I, I saw the truth in him and went, oh, he's just selling the idea of being a presenter or a public speaker. He's not this amazing guy that's willing to jump out of his comfort zone. And trust me, I tried to get him to go there with me. I went very intimate and was like, oh, I'm having these crazy thoughts and these thoughts and going, oh, maybe he's on the same page as I am. And the biggest thing I learned after 7,500 bucks was you're not him. But that was so valuable to me because I surrendered. I was able to go, you're not that guy, Nate. You're the love true guy. And we don't know what that looks like, but if you keep accepting who you are and digging deep and loving yourself in every experience, no matter how uncomfortable or how much attention you get. And I got a lot of it both on the way. You know, I'd go speak at colleges and have people wait in line for an hour to talk to me. And then I would go somewhere and I'd have a bunch of people look at me like I was a crazy person and everyone scatter when I was done. And I went, oh, there's something amazing in both of these. Mm -hmm. So that self-acceptance is huge. Like, thank you for that. You've all come together. You have, you have these different roles that you're playing essentially within the organization. Outside of that, in the most digestible terms, what is the ultimate goal? What is it that, that Love True is intended to accomplish? I think more than anything, we want to share a way of life, a way of living that is so different than what you see today. In what ways? I think it's different and it's the same. And, and let, me, let me explain yeah, that. Yep. So in the sense that it's different because it's not a way that most people live. When you meet Nate on the street and you start talking to him, you're just like, there's something different about this guy. But it resonates with you. And that's why I say it's kind of the same too. People realize that they should be honest. It, we're not preaching anything new when we're like, you, you should be brutally honest with yourself. People are not shocked when we say we need more love in the world. There's plenty of people out there saying that we need more love and that's what's going to solve the world's problems. The difference is, is that we're doing it. And if we're doing our job right and if we can get this movement out there, then rather than just people sitting here talking about it and getting angry because they can't get it across, we're going to start to see some change. And when people say like, well, why are you a good person? Well, love true. The movement's bigger than any one of us. It's, it's more than, I mean, I think that that's one of our strengths is the fact that we've got people from all walks of life here. You know, yes, I'm, I'm the hardcore Mormon here for those who want to relate with me, but I'm not the only one here because we've got Levi who's been very alienated for lack of a better word, and we're still friends. We still have that love for each other, and we are each seeking the truth. And you, you make me think of where a lot of people look at Utah or Salt Lake County. Maybe, maybe Utah County is really this way. I'm not sure. But now um, <laughs> I always have to jab on Utah County when I can, apparently. I can't um, blame you there. It's its the, own special world. The idea that, that, uh, that Utah is this homogenous blob of all the same kinds of people. From the 10,000 foot view, it, it can look that way. If you're hovering above Salt Lake County on a Sunday morning, it's going to look like everybody and their dog is doing the same thing. A third of people are going to the one building at nine o'clock and then 
they hang out there and then the next group comes at 11 and then the first group leaves and then the next group comes at, at two or one, I can't, one, whatever it might be, because of how our pol- a political structure is set up and because of who our representatives are here locally, uh, from far away, it can look like everybody's exactly the same and everybody's experience are the same and that we're all living this weird false Stepford experience when, just like you pointed out, that's just so entirely not the case, regardless of if you're aligned with with the LDS church or if you're not or if you're indifferent. So many of these definitions come up based on this stereotype of what Utah looks like. And that's kind of what I want to get at with this whole podcast, this idea that it's not what everybody thinks it is. Even when we live here, we can start to think it's a certain way. I make my jabs at Utah County. I have a lot of really fantastic friends who live in Utah County who would quote-unquote break the mold for that area. So I just appreciate you bringing that up. For you then, I mean, what, what are you looking for like to accomplish? Or some, how do I sum up? How do you sum it up? Like what? Yeah. yeah. That has been, it, that literally has been a, a pretty big source of frustration <laughs> for myself. It's tricky to believe in something, to live a certain way, but then feel like you're, you're just spewing out things and putting it out there in the, I don't know if I don't, if I like the term necessary evil, but because I don't think it's evil, there's more good than bad yet to put a lot of things out there and to not be sure how it's received to go inside of your head. For me, Keith, love true is, is something that I can't not do. I was talking to Nathan, Nate loves videos and I love videos too. I really do. We had this amazing, uh, wonderful, beautiful human Kate make us this big wood sign and I was like, Nate, let's do a video of you walk in the room. I'm holding this cardboard box and I'm trying to fit our love true sign inside of this little box. And, and, you know, you jump in and say, Hey, that won't fit. That's how it's been. Love true. It doesn't fit in a box. There's no elevator pitch 32nd thing that can sum this thing up. But for me, I would sum up love true right now today because it's it's just evolves and neat things happen every single day but for me right now it's about connection so many cool connections and powerful connections are happening and i i literally think that that's a gathering of the tribes i know i talked about that but finding that group that loves you that sees you that wants to empower you there's this awesome organization and nonprofit, and this i'll truly call them a movement called the shiro's based out of Utah. They're like a thousand strong and doing amazing things. And I look at this connection that occurs by living the love true way. This never would have happened living the love true way, you know, and now I've been asked to go with them to India to launch this medical device and capture all of this content and literally change the world in terms of cervical cancer for women. And so being involved in organizations like that, living a love true way, literally anyone out there can drastically transform their life by coming alive. I know a lot of us are buried or spend a lot of time buried down or, or whatever that is. But if it's one thing, you know, to grasp from different things, we don't have all the answers or recipe, but if love true can inspire people coming to life, waking up from a sleepwalking or a cruise control type mentality, then I think our mission's accomplished. Now we do sell hats and shirts and apparel online Mm. and it's beautiful stuff that we believe in and and we pray over to put 
intention in there to go out and bless someone when they don their crown as Jason has beautifully worded it. Uh, You know, so that helps. I almost feel like that hasn't even been our focus. We've been doing ourselves a quote unquote disservice in terms of a a societal standard, you know, why aren't you packaging this different and selling it to da da da? Why aren't you on Amazon or, or whatever that is? It's, it's almost like it takes second place to going out and serving and doing good and finding those like-minded people. So I guess someone out there listening or researching love true, find that thing that sparks with inside of you that, that jabs that little thing that wakes up something and try that on for a minute. Nathan always says, try that on. If something about the Love True crew or the movement or one of our crazy videos or something yeah. touches you, I think I think that's neat. Being a conduit and a vehicle for change, whatever, however big, whatever that looks like. We don't we don't seek to walk on water. Just hope to provide some hope, positive change, you know, a different way of living. Like Jason said, we don't want to walk on water, but we'll definitely swim with you. <laughs> So if, if somebody is wanting to get involved with you guys and wanting to dive more deep into working with you or, or trying to create those connections between people, as, as Levi said, where can you all be found? So we're at lovetrue.com. That's L-U-V-T-R-U. Is there a hyphen in the web address or is it just L-U-V-T-R-U.com? So we're right now in the process ah. of getting... <laughs> we purchased it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've yeah, agreed so, to purchase it. So, right now it's love-true.com. Yeah, yeah. All right. And they, they can find you there. There's, there's contact information there. Right? Like if yep. somebody wanted to get in out, ideally, if someone were to contact you, who, who are the ideal people you're looking for? Going on there, super simple thing that anybody could do is go on the website and sign the pledge. Tell me Jason, more about that. Yeah, Jason was fundamental in creating the Love True Way. Why so don't you, yeah, we, yeah, we got together and, and made this pledge that's kind of the Love True Way. And we've got that up on our website. And it's, it's a simple way. For you to say like, yes, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. If you guys really want to help, I mean, simple things like sharing a video or a blog post, or once we get the podcast up and running, find an episode, share that. Because really what it's about is we want to reach out and help. We want to show people that this is real. This is, this is something that's going to make a difference. And the best thing they can do is tell someone about it. If you want to help us financially, then yeah, pick up a hat, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. pick up a hat, pick up a shirt. The other cool thing about that is that then other people can ask you questions and you can be like, well, let me tell you yeah. about this cool new thing I know. No, no, you have this beautiful logo. There's a, there's gotta be a story there. <laughs> it found us. Yeah, it really did. It was mm-hmm. one of those things where we saw the design and we're like, we, we really, really like that. And it has really clicked with us. And we've made some alterations to it since. Mm. It's a very simple symbol, but there's a lot kind of packed into it. The lotus flower literally means rebirth and ascension. And this logo, really what we see is, is a sign of hope, a Batman light in the dark. So it's upside down. It's a lotus flower upside down. In addition to a heart, a soul on fire on a shirt, wings to fly, Right. But really, as if in times of distress and need, the American flag being flown upside down. So here's this symbol of hope upside down, very intentionally calling out for help, calling out distress on our current trajectory of our humanity. People are hungry and ready for change. 
We would love to go into a school and give every single kid in there, have them sign the pledge with a little laminated card in their pocket or in their wallet or desk and look around and see that hat or that shirt, that symbol of hope. This is what we stand for. This is what we believe. We see a day when we're walking around and and you see that all over the street or sign or a billboard or, or whatever that is. And I wanted to touch a couple of things. If people want to get involved, we have, by the end of the month, we'll have two different resources. We're going to be doing booths, one at least a month. Some event will post that like, oh, we're going to be at the state fair and to sell apparel and awareness. And then the other is we are going to, to set up the event space for Love True Revive. Recharge. Recharge. Yeah. Love True Recharge, Recharge. Where the recharges are basically kind of our solution to the seminar mentality. Mm, the unseminar, yeah. Yeah, because you, you've been to seminars. Oh, plenty. And they're amazing. You go and you feel amazing and you learn things and you're just like, man, my life is awesome. I'm about to get even better. And then you go home and you kind of keep it with you for a little bit and it slowly dies and, and you think, oh man, I, I need to go to another seminar. The only problem is that they cost hundreds of dollars. and If, if you're lucky. Well, and the problem is too, yeah, exactly. But one of the big things that I realized is that a lot of those seminars are just, for lack of a better term, they're hype. But we like hype. People like hype. They like the energy. They like feeling like life is good. Alive. And there's nothing wrong with that. So we thought, what if we could offer a night every other week or every now and then where it's just like, let's get together. We'll give you some hype. We'll do some activities. We'll make you feel good and send you home. It doesn't have to be a huge week-long clear your schedule. What if we just had an evening every now and then, an anti-seminar, where you came, you heard some speaker, you had some fun, and you left feeling like you were better than when you entered? As I'm sitting here thinking about what love true is to me if I explain it, and I, I see it from a whole different standpoint because I continually take the box out of the picture. And I loved how he brought that up, like putting it in the box. And the whole time I, I've taken my will out of it and gone, okay, I have no idea. I wouldn't, I was talking to Levi when you're out of the room going, I wouldn't have imagined being in this basement doing a podcast. And if I would have, I would have done something to make that. So it didn't happen. If, when I get involved and it's like my will and I'm like, oh, I got to have it be this way. That's when things don't just show up. The Jason doesn't show up. The Levi, the Keith doesn't show up in love true. So as I'm absorbing all this information, I really look at it and G's been telling me a lot lately. He's been putting in my head, love true. And he's been putting a four-year-old and a dog, right? Like this theme. And as I think about that, it's really, I see that G has giving us love and truth to really show us the way to happiness. Us as humans have distorted that so much through marketing and money and status and power that now we have this thing that the way love and truth was supposed to be. And when it was, when we were in a cave, right? We just wanted to provide for our family, have comfortable environment and not get eaten by bears. And life was awesome, right? We're like, yeah, we got to eat today. Life Woo-hoo! is awesome when you're not getting eaten by a bear. When you're not getting eaten by bears. And, and the thing I see that Love True is doing organically is it's providing that platform, that almost permission to look at it the way it is with a four-year-old kid. Or a dog, you know, and I, I just got a dog and I haven't had one for years. And I look back and go, wow, this is amazing how he's showing me this. Like a four-year-old just loves life. 
right? A four-year-old wakes up and goes, what am I going to do today? You know, they go to the sandbox and a kid kicks sand in their face and they're like, ah, and they cry for a second. And then they get over it and they're playing with the kid again five minutes later. They're not attached to the story of how it should be or how it's not fair. They're just loving life and they're being the truth. That's why we have these TV shows that are like, kids are so funny. And then you have kids walking up to strangers and being like, oh, mommy, why is she so fat or whatever, right? And the mom's like, oh, and the kid's like, well, why? You know, they have no idea. And that's really what I see is happening here is we're not only being it in three different lives, right? We've all had different experiences, but Levi's doing it to the the level that he's at right now. Jason's doing it to the level he's at, and I'm doing it at a level that I'm at. But really, we are supporting each other in that and then learning from each other in the basis of breaking it down to simple love and truth that serves us to our ultimate good in life, not just in comfort or ease what society has shown us, you know? And I think of all these different people in my life and go, wow, I thought I loved that person, but I don't even know that person. I was never honest with that person for them to have a chance to love me or for me to love them. And that in the grand scheme of things and as it's adapting is really what I see is happening is us just having these people come and get involved like the Shiro's or the Stufano foundation and we just love them and are the truth to them and sometimes we can help them and sometimes we can't but holding that there then creates a place where they do it to us because it seems normal because we're not like what's the agenda what are we going to get out of you all this stuff and they see that we just show up and be love and truth and then it is attracted i mean it literally got us into this room somehow some way and i don't know what he's doing 90 percent of the time or him 90 percent of the time but everything just keeps rolling because we're practicing love and truth to the highest level we can, and then spreading that with people and allowing them to learn and grow in that space. That was some some really fantastic, powerful stuff. And I think that the clarity I was after as as someone interviewing you and, and trying to learn more about love true from you guys, that it, it really kind of brought that whole point home for me. And I think that's a good place for us to end. So I just want to say thank you to all three of you for coming and spending some time in my basement recording this podcast with me uh, it's been a fantastic experience so thank you so much for being on oh uh, thank you thank, keith. thank you keith love you buddy that does it for another episode of the podcast uh, again thank you all for listening in coming up next week it's going to be a shorter episode because you guys have listened to some pretty long episodes here for the last little bit and it's mostly going to be focused on real estate market stuff and kind of what's going on here going into the fall and winter coming back after that got a couple of other great interviews slated and some other topics that i really want to talk about again if you know anybody or if you would like to be on the podcast or can think of a cause or a company or anything where they'd be interested in coming and being interviewed on the podcast get in touch with me you can reach me at findinghomepodcast at gmail.com also there's a contact form at findinghomepodcast.com. That's where you can find all of the older episodes. Also, just as another thing you can do, if you get on the website at findinghomepodcast.com, you'll see you can link to receive my monthly newsletter. That's a paper newsletter that I send out via the U.S. Postal Service like it's the 50s. And it's principally content similar to what I do here. I just kind of tell some stories in that and give you regular real estate market updates. But that's like a fifth of what's in the newsletter. Mostly it's just my dumb stories about getting kicked by horses or uh, watching my cats fight. So <laughs> I love writing it. I like sending it out. I've gotten some really great uh, feedback. People have actually been reading the thing. So uh, if you'd like to get that, you can sign up to get that on the website. 
or you can just shoot me an email with your street address and I will include you on the mailing list. So that's what we've got for this week. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. 